Uh, hey guys, welcome back to Are You Awake? I'm Ari. And I'm Alex. And we're here with Amber again. Welcome back. (laughs) Thanks for having me back. Of course. (laughs) Thank you for reaching out to us. It sounds like you have a lot of information to share, some bill updates happening um, in Colorado. Yes. So there was a recent uh, bill that that came through um, that just makes me want to vomit out of my eye sockets, girls. I'm telling you, it's horrible. Um, but I do want to sort of recap a couple of things and, and sort of go back on a couple of other bills that have come through in the recent years during the COVID era, I guess I'll call it, and um, what that's sort of brought in, um, kind of how they're all linked together. Perfect. So you can kind of see the how it all com- how it all comes together. So um, I'm just going to sort of do a quick recap on SEL um, for those who aren't familiar with it because it ties in heavily to all of these bills that they've been passing through and what they're doing. So um, SEL itself um, or social emotional learning is a driver to work social and emotional content into education. It has been co-opted by an organization called CASEL, which is the Collaborative for Academic Social and Emotional Learning. Um, SEL has really morphed over the years, and CASEL is now pushing and presenting what they're calling transformative SEL. And it has a goal of inducing critical consciousness into our children. And it's really become a vehicle to bring identity Marxist theory into school curriculum. Um, Things you might see like critical race theory, gender theory, um, comprehensive sex ed, which is also known sometimes as comprehensive health or the whole child wellness programs. Um, The way that these things work are that the teachers are put into roles of psychologists. They intervene on an entire group of students, um, like a classroom or whatever they're um, selected to do. And they complete surveys and questionnaires and interviews on social and emotional content. Then they talk about social and emotional problems and situations, and then discuss the politically and socially correct answers to those issues. So they're really taking away a child's ability to think, feel, anything like that um, when these ideals are actually introduced to them. So they're being taught how to think, feel, react, and respond, decide um, based on this DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So when all of these things are coming through, um, it really is training our children and our parents and our staff and our administration to accept the legislation that's coming down because it's so heavily infused with DEI and SEL ideals that they don't seem off to them because they've been being indoctrinated with this for so long. So it doesn't seem weird when all of these bills are coming in and they're introducing this language because it's not really introducing new language to them. It's things they're familiar with. So it doesn't come out of nowhere. Um, so during, during the pandemic, um, we had the lockdowns and we saw drastic behavioral changes in our kids, drastic. And of course we would, because they were removed from classrooms and they were forced to stay home and learn on tablets and Chromebooks. They had limited interaction with their friends and family, um, anyone really outside of their home. So that's bound to take its toll on our kids. Of course it would. It took toll. It took a toll on adults. I, I know I had issues with it. So, mm-hmm. um, what they say, and you know, they, the powers that be, they said that COVID ushered in new challenges 
um, for our youth leading to a mental health crisis as declared by our Surgeon General. And I do think crisis is one of those terms that's overused a lot. Um, so it's beginning to sort of lose its its actual meaning. Um, but the way that they've compounded all of this, it does sort of seem like a crisis because our kids are at risk due to social isolation, academic disruption, loss of family, life, jobs, income. Um, and even having to have stayed home, some of them probably encountered physical abuse or emotional abuse from family members. Um, you combine that with the stuff that the media pushes through that just shoves it down their throat, like natural disasters, mass violence, climate change, political polarization, things that we see on a day-to-day -day basis coming at them from every corner. Um, and then you add in the fact that they're kids and they have hormones and they're changing and just the normal ups and downs of childhood and it just groups all together. And of course it makes it seem like it's a crisis. And if it weren't a crisis, they really wouldn't be able to push these bills through the way they have been. They need the crisis for us to say, we need this. Um, so do we have mental health issues? Absolutely. 100% believe that there are mental health problems. And that's probably because kids are dealing with things that they really should never have to deal with as children. Things that their brains are just not developed enough to process and understand. Um, when you're talking about brain development, the frontal lobe itself is responsible for like all of your cognitive fun functions. So like voluntary movement, um, problem solving, spontaneity, memory, um, initiation, impulse control. Um, but also what's, what fits in that is your social and sexual behavior. And your frontal lobe isn't even fully developed until at least 25 years old. Right. So we're throwing all of this stuff at kids and it really is quite literally things that brought their brain cannot process. Yeah. So um, then you also kind of think about, well, how do they even know what's really bothering our kids? How do they know what bills to even try and get pushed through? Well, they have something called a youth risk behavioral surveillance system. Yes. Youth risk behavioral surveillance system. What is that? Good question. Um, <laughs> it's a series of um, surveys that have been conducted by the CDC, and they give them to ninth through 12th graders um, to track their behavior that they believe can lead to poor health, and now they call it risky behaviors. Um, this is not new. It's been going on since 1991. Um, I do believe the surveys, you know, as I've kind of gone back and looked at them, they're definitely more invasive. They're definitely more personal than they've ever been. And they've even started implementing them in some middle schools. So it's going to the younger kids as well. And um, the questions now really are about gender identity, sexual behavior, including if you participate in LGBTQ plus sexual behaviors, um, access to weapons, access to and use of illegal substances or alcohol, things like that. So really invasive things um, that I don't know that a school should be getting that information. You know, that's not that's not something um, that they should be privy to. It is something that the schools are getting information on, even though it's conducted through CDC. Of course, the schools are used to implement it. Um, there was a survey that the CDC did in the fall of 2020. So sort of kind of six months or so into COVID 
and they called it the COVID Experiences Survey or COVEX. And that really was um, the very first one that really became very invasive. And they were asking um, additional questions like, are, do you have access to food? Um, has anybody been laid off? Did anybody in your family die? You know, things like that on top of the other questions. And then uh, that was followed up in early 2021. They call it the spring, but it was really January, sort of when it started. So probably spring semester, if you're thinking school terms. Um, and it was the Adolescent Behaviors and Experiences Survey. So it was ABES or ABES, which some people refer to it as. Very similar to what they did during the pandemic. And they have results posted. If you go to the CDC's website, you can find this there. They're not hiding it. It's in your face. They'll even show you what questions they ask. And their results came out saying that adolescents are experiencing mental health crisis, um, a mental health crisis, especially those in the LGBT community. And um, life was disrupted. Well, of course it was disrupted. We know it was disrupted and they forced it to be disrupted. So now they're using that against us. And then the other thing that came out of it, the three top points were that racism, racism is a public health problem. So that's another determination that they made. Um, so there were some bills that sort of passed like early on in the pandemic and then pre-pandemic that I think really are connected to each other and sort of play into this latest bill that's come out. Um, the first one is House Bill, so HB 19-1032. And this one is, um, if, if anybody wants to Google that, it's it'll pull it up right on, um, right on the website. And it is the Comprehensive Human Sexuality Education Bill. So this was the, this one was very, um, controversial when it came out. A lot of people protested it. A lot of people went down to the Capitol and um, said, this is unacceptable. This is ridiculous. We're not going to do this. Um, when you actually started to read it, the things that it had in it, you're going, this is insane. Mm -hmm. um, it prohibits the, uh, it prohibits abstinence being told is the primary soul and sole acceptable preventative um method to not get pregnant. Well, we already know that it is. That there's one way to not get pregnant for certain, and that's yeah. to not have sex, unless of course you're having some sort of divine appointment, which I don't think people are having anymore. Yeah. So, so that's not that's not really a thing. Um, of course, that's the only way, but it prohibits anybody saying that to kids. So you can't really push abstinence as being your, your stance anymore. Um, it also requires the inclusion of resources, uh, resources, references, and information for um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender sexualities, um, people who are intersex, people with physical or intellectual disabilities, and then those who have been sexually victimized or traumatized. So if you are not going to single kids out, which they're not going to single kids out, they're going to present this as a whole to all students. So if you want to talk about some adult graphic content, there you go, because they are actually explicitly in detail explaining gay sex. Um, and that is unacceptable in any terms. I mean, you just really shouldn't be graphically explaining things to kids anyway, right? Um, 
And what so, grade is being proposed to? So at the end, this is actually pre-K and K through 12 curriculum that's been accepted. When they really start this, though, is sort of that middle school age group. Like, um, do you remember when they took you aside and they separated the boys and the girls and you watched the video, the boys watched the video and the girls watched the video about periods and um, they don't do that anymore. This is um, now content that is presented to an entire class. So think how awkward that would be. Oh my gosh. Think how, think how um, upsetting somebody who is a very modest Christian girl would feel being in a class with your peers and having a teacher explaining lesbian sex to you. Mm -hmm. That would be incredible. To me right now, that would be incredibly uncomfortable. I would not enjoy that. What so I can't imagine. Saying? What do the teachers say? Yeah. What? It seems like it seems like so many are just on board for this part of it. The SEL that's been pushed through for so long talks about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And when you start excluding groups, they're saying these groups have been excluded. We have to include them in our curriculum so that they understand what you know, that it's not just um, heterosexual sex. We can't, we can't do that because that's um, not being inclusive. So the teachers who really are pushing this inclusivity um, driver, they're just, they want this sort of um, curriculum because they don't want to exclude the kids that um, fall into that LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. Well, so it's like, the even with heterosexual couples like even teachers explaining how things go yeah. is very uncomfortable even be a thing to yeah. be honest like it should be between like parents and children and like and not a teacher and children because I mean anything past that is weird and uncomfortable and could, probably could be considered grooming I agree that it's considered grooming. And in fact, that's one of the things I talk about in here is this is what a groomer does. This yeah. is this is how groomers get their victims is they they expose them to sexually explicit material. And that is 100% what they're doing. There are even some schools that show like graphic movies um, that you would have to consider it to be pornography. There's no other way around it. Um, so they're, they're showing our kids these things and and we're expecting their brains to understand it. And they just, they can't, they're not, they're not meant to. Um, another thing that they do in this is that if they provide any kind of instruction on pregnancy outcomes and the options thereof, they must include all options. And that does include abortion. So they have to explain and show where access is to those. So um, again, something I believe should be between a family and um you know, having those conversations about what an outcome would look like in your family. That's not something that I would want a school telling my daughter, well, here's where you go and get an abortion. Mm -hmm. It also prohibits waivers of content. So any of the requirements, if they are already teaching a comprehensive sex ed program, they can't get a waiver to not do it. So they have to teach it. Mm -hmm. So and again, this is going back to that whole child thing, that whole SEL thing, the social and emotional content of it. They add that in too. So it just, it just makes me a little crazy um, that this, even with as much opposition as it had, did go into effect. 
um, and it did become the pre-K and K through 12 standards. Um, if you go to the Department of Education, Colorado Department of Education, you'll see it in their standards as of 2020. Wow. So this, I think, was kind of the first big wave that people were going, whoa, back to Chuck up, what is going on here? What are we trying to do to our kids? Why are we going to expose them to this? Mm-hmm. So the next one that came out really, um, I, I think, kind of swept under the rug a little bit. I don't think it really got as much opposition as it should have, and possibly because of the wording in it. Um, they're very good with the words, <laughs> very good at how they put bills out there. Um, of course, if you actually read through them, they're pretty poorly written, but the, the verbiage itself um, makes it always kind of seem like it's okay. Um, and this one is House Bill 19-1129. And this one is the um, one that prohibits conversion therapy for a minor. And so when you think about it and the way that they um, word it initially is that the conversion therapy ban restricts efforts by counselors to change a minor's sexual orientation or gender identity. So when you're first reading that, you're kind of going, well, I don't want them to change my child's gender or their identity. But that's actually not what it's saying. It is saying that if a patient identifies as a gender opposite of their birth sex, any effort to help them accept their body, accept themselves as their birth sex, even if that's what the patient is going in to do, even if they say, hey, look, this is where I'm at. I want help so that I'm comfortable in my own body and I'm not feeling this way. Um, That's their goal. It doesn't matter. They cannot do it because it's considered conversion therapy. The only thing that a therapist or counselor can do is affirm your child. That's it. So now you have these two things kind of coming together and you have to look at it and say, okay, I'm going to compound these because now we're introducing all of this information to our kids. Their brains are going crazy because they they just can't handle all this. They maybe get to a situation where they think they are a different gender. They go in for some assistance and all all that the counselor can do is affirm that, yes, they are the opposite of what they were born into. So... um, You know, it's just those kind of weird little things that have come through that I don't think people really connected the dots on them. Um, There is another one, which is the um, HB 21-1258. This one came out, of course, in the height of COVID. So it was really in April of 2021. So really, you know, a year after COVID sort of happened and we're still in the middle of it. And this is the Rapid Mental Health Response Colorado Youth. So... um, It was a very bipartisan bill. Um, It had support from both sides. And I I guess I sort of understand what they were trying to accomplish with it because there were a lot of things going on with our kids that um, they did probably feel like they needed some additional um, mental health care, um, counseling, that sort of thing. But this sort of opened the door for the new bill that came out that I think is wildly inappropriate. And this one was to create a temporary program to minors um, to allow them up to three free mental health sessions with a professional. Um, $9 million was appropriated to this program and it was included in the Colorado Recovery Plan. Um, It was set to initially just sort of run through June of 2022. It's now set to expire in June of 2024. Um, And now kids can get up to six sessions with everything that's going on. Um, And it required like an access portal to be created. And that access portal is called I 
matter. It's actually imattercolorado.org. And it allows kids to go in there and seek and gain access to mental health professionals um, at the age of 12 or older without the consent of a parent. Now, of course, you know me, I had to go in and do it for myself because um, that's just what I do. And so I pretended to be, I think I said I was 13 and I went through the entire survey um, until it got to the point of uh, asking for mental health, you know, if, do you want to be connected? And then I went in and I pretended I was under 12. I said I was nine and it said, you need the help of a parent. So all I did was back it, come back in and pretended I was 12. So they don't actually confirm what your age is. Now, I don't know that they, they don't once you get to getting with a mental health professional. I don't know what happens at that point because I stopped. Sorry, my, I'm, yeah. um, but I, I just am not sure what that looks like. Um, but when you back out of the survey or say, no, I don't want to meet with somebody, it actually pops up a resource guide with all sorts of programming, um, including LGBTQ plus programming. Um, one of them is called Rainbow Alley, and I went ahead and went in it. Um, and it is, in the, the site itself says, Affirming Environment for Youth 10 to 17. Um, they offer services like affirming and anti-oppressive therapists, tutoring before school programs, after school programs. Um, they even had a queer prom, which I went and looked at the photos of, which they're online. So if you want to, you can do that. Um, and they had what appeared to be a um, drag queen doing some kind of entertainment with them. And then they had a like career fair, I guess is sort of what you would call it. And the person who came to speak to them was a drag queen and she was talking about, he, she was talking about how to um, make drag be a career. Wow. So clearly, you know, these things that they're being exposed to through the back end of a survey that you may or may not know about right? It's right there in their face. And it, it is, it's a clickable link um, on a PDF that pops up. So um, it, it just gets a little hairy from there because now it's extended and it sort of falls into the new um, bill that I'm going to talk about, which is um, the HB 23103. And I've touched, I touched on this briefly on, on another podcast that we did. It was before it was even approved and signed. And this is the school mental health assessment. And assessment actually has been scratched in the bill itself throughout the bill and they've changed it to screening because they thought that assessment seemed like too harsh of a word, too much was behind that word. Um, and this bill creates a mental health screening program, which is going to be administered and um, oversaw, overseen by the Department of Public Health and it is planned to be given to all students in grades six through 12, and it will be completed by a qualified third party um, where they assess your child's mental health using surveys and questionnaires again. And they just, they try and determine if they're in a crisis or if they need any additional mental health assistance. And so you think about who's this third party and I wanted to know. So it actually tells you right there in the bill and it says it's not someone who, it has to be someone who does not provide direct mental health services, has the infrastructure and ability to operate statewide, has the ability to correct, collect and report data, 
and has experience delivering and managing a statewide mental health screening program. They also must be trauma informed. So it's someone who is not a mental health professional, someone who is not licensed or able to act in this manner, and they're completing these assessments or screening, sorry, outside of a therapeutic environment, and they're making determinations on your children. Um, if they need additional care, if they're in crisis, they need intervention, if they're being abused, if they're essentially going to turn this over to the state. These are things that someone who's not in that sort of training just should not be doing. One, if they're um, performing this outside of a um, outside of a mental health environment, it actually is illegal. They should actually be going to prison for it. It's not legal for them to practice this outside of that type of a facility and without a license. So, you know, the main issues, though, that even come out of that, if that doesn't even sound like the worst thing, is that parents can opt their kids out. But if your child is 12 or older, they can opt themselves back in. It doesn't matter what the parents think. Wow. Um, the bill requires that there is some notification um, given to the parents only under very specific um, situations. And that would be if they're suicidal, if they're practicing or planning to practice self-harm, planning to harm somebody else, or if they really believe that there is a an immediate intervention that is needed. Otherwise, the child would have to give consent for this information to be given to the parents. Um, so it's encouraging your children to keep secrets. It's encouraging them to believe that the parents are the bad guys in the situation and that they're not safe. So you, keep, you have to keep the information from them. And that is a groomer. Anyway, you slice or dice that, that is grooming. It is. Um, it, it's disgusting because you're saying, oh, it's our secret. Don't tell your mom and dad, it's our secret. Yeah. And, and that is just ugly in itself. Um, so you're doing this to um, sixth graders. I mean, there's some sixth graders who are 11. I was 11 in sixth grade. Yeah. So that happens. There's sometimes the young ones and you just think about what that really looks like in them grooming your child. Um, it also is encouraging them to rely on their school for their well-being, that the parents and families are not who are going to provide for them. Um, and I think the scariest, really the scariest piece of this is that it really is trying to push the age of consent to become 12. Yeah. And that is gross. Um, it's yeah. also allowing those kids to really feel like they're empowered to make grown up decisions that they're not able to make. Right. And additionally, it goes against the, um, really even hit puberty at that point. No. I mean, some have and some haven't, right. you know, it's, it's a, that's kind of that age mix, you know, that you can yeah. have some kids who are starting to develop or some that have already and some who are like, I don't know, maybe I'll go through puberty at some point in my life. So right. you just, you just don't know. Um, it's just a very um, uneasy age for kids anyway. It's yeah. just such a time of transition and, yeah. you and know. Slippery slope because you're assuming the kids are being honest yeah. I mean, if you had a fight with your mom or dad that morning, it's going to alter how you're going to respond to the test. So yeah. making something out of nothing, potentially, I just, it's opening up a can of worms in my personal opinion. It, it is. And it's actually, this goes against the Federal Family Education Rights and Privacy Act. Uh -huh. So that says that you cannot disclose information to a school without written consent from a parent unless a, a, a student has reached the age of majority. Right. So there is just no reason that they should be keeping this information. Yeah. So I think about this and I am, 
legally and financially responsible for my child. Whatever she goes and does, if she vandalizes something, I'm legally and financially res responsible for that. Um, I'm indebted for her behavior. So if she goes and gets her free, decides she's going to go get her free sessions, and then they refer her further on, yeah. I'm responsible for anything that's incurred. So, yeah. you know, but I can't know about it. I can't know what's going on with her. That yeah. just seems so backward to me. And yeah. Polis did sign this. He signed this on June 5th. Oh, so I'm this so is excited. happening. This is this is happening, and um, I don't know if it'll happen as early as this school year. I, I, it very well might, because there's already a program in place. So this is sort of piggybacking on that, on that um, the one that came out during the height of COVID. So this is sort of just piggybacking on that. It's still the iMatter program. It's still all of those things. So, um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna take the information that they do in surveys and they're gonna refer them to this iMatter program. No matter how I answered those questions, they told me I needed mental health. It didn't matter. Even if I answered only one question, wow. they said I needed it. So I did it where I answered one. I did it where I answered all of them. I did it where I answered random ones, you know. So um, you just don't know. Um, schools, So schools are going to be recommended to opt into this program. They can opt out. Um, they have to let parents know within two weeks of school starting if they are going to participate in the program. And wow. I think about even that, how <laughs> they notify parents. These yeah. are crazy. Sometimes they'll send an email and sometimes it'll be like a, a newsletter and then sometimes it'll be like a note. So they're not even consistent with how they do that. Right. And and you're so right, Alex, about the slippery slope because um, it just, <laughs> they're even using these decisions, these types of cases, um, these situations where we're allowing kids to make these decisions, they're using it in the court of law against um, pedophiles. So for example, there is, I don't, I don't know if it's been out of court yet or not, but there's a 28 year old teacher who was having a sexual relationship with a 14 year old student. And one of the things that they said was, well, she makes decisions all the time. See, we allow them to make these decisions. So she obviously can make, obviously she can make a decision whether or not she wants to engage in a sexual relationship with a, with a, with a, uh, a teacher which is just ridiculous because no matter how you look at that, he's still a pedophile. He's yeah. still having a sexual relationship with somebody under the age of 18. It's just not okay. Right. Um, it also sort of breaks down their ability to reason good versus bad. Mm -hmm. And um, that allows in predatory behavior, um, whether it's a pedophile or, or a groomer or an abuser, or whatever that looks like, um, it's breaking that down. It's breaking that barrier down of what they know to be good and, and evil. And um, I think it's exposing them to information and, and situations outside of their brain capacity. And it's just, that is going to continue to lead to a crisis. And then we're just going to keep putting these bills through. Yeah. So the bills that you talked about at the beginning, are those, where are those at in the process? Are those? Oh, they're done. These are all Passed, okay. done, signed, sealed, delivered. They're all in place. And I just don't think people realized, you know, once this comprehensive sex ed came through, that mm -hmm. all of these other things were going to come through too. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like with anything that has happened in the past like 10 years, it's just been like a slippery slope of just, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And it, and like with like gay rights, right? We were okay with what, it's like whatever. But then it's like a slippery slope where it's now like 
now all this is happening and now it'll soon be like pedophiles are okay or something. Well, that's the big push on this is that they, that you can't help who you're attracted to. Yeah. And that's sort of that it kind of is lumped into the LGBT plus and the people that I know that are in their community are so against the grooming of kids. They're like, we don't want to be part of this. We are not a part of this because we do not believe in the sexualization of children. We just want to, we just want to be able to get married and go live our life. And that's actually what I find with most people that I know that are in the LGBTQ plus, you know, community. Um, And again, I don't have to agree with their lifestyle to love the person. They flat out know where I stand on all of it. But, but when you start to say pedophilia, that's where you have to be like, absolutely, this is not okay. And then trying to get your kids to transition, you know, at 12 and 13 years old before they hit puberty. I mean, oh, I think about that. My kid's 10 and is in puberty. So they would have had to get her younger than that if they wanted her to go on like puberty blockers, right? Yeah. Well, aren't they trying to change the language of pedophilia to like minor attracted person? So it makes it seem less. Well, then you have that bill in California where they tried to have harsher punishments for pedophilia and it got voted down by Democrats. Voted down voted down and actually um biden i think just took off the um sex trafficking as being a um one of the major um risks in 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 nationwide anymore and we know that that's not true because there was just a big sting just in our neck of the woods that went down you know and so these things all play into it and i don't think people realize that by by exposing kids to this um, graphic sexual content, even if you don't consider it to be pornography and you consider it to be educational, even if you look at it from that point of view, it is graphic. Mm-hmm. It is, they're using terminology that I don't use. Yeah, right. That's not how I would say that, you know, I mean, that's, that's just not the, the way I would approach it, but they're graphically, you know, giving content to our kids and then they're being preyed upon. They're being taught in SDL that you have to negotiate. They're being taught in SDL that you have to think about other people first, no matter what. Yeah. And, and those things really just break that down. So it just allows so much to come in. So, so really we need, to, we need to be watching what bills are coming down the pipeline. Yeah, for sure. So in the few minutes we have left, what are some things people can do? I mean, I know these are already in law they are. We, they, they pull their kids from the districts. What are some answers to give some parents hope and kind of show that this is not acceptable behavior that's coming down from Denver? Right. Well, I know that I know that you can't necessarily pull your kids out of public school. I mean, that is not the lifestyle every family has. And I understand that. So really, it's, it's a matter of getting the school board. Um, the school board actually gets to select curriculum um, based on the Colorado Constitution. So I just don't think school boards realize that they have that kind of power. So getting the right people in school boards, that's vital. Showing up and being in a classroom, that's vital. But really watching what is coming down in legislation. It's boring to read bills. I totally get that. I do it. Um, It's not always the most fun to try and research them and figure out what they say. But there are people out there who will report on them. Um, I think of former Senator Kevin Lundberg. Every week he sends out um, an email blast during the regular session that lets people know what bills are being presented. I mean, they do have his opinion in it of whether he believes they're bad or good, but you know, 
I align with him. So it works out really well for me because it's easier for me to break them down at that point. But it's a really good way for you to see which ones are being presented. You can go look at them up on up yourself if you'd like to, um, but it'll tell you what things are coming down the pipeline. You do have the ability to go down there and you can um, give a testimony. You can actually go down there and speak um, for or against any of the legislation that's being presented. Um, one of the good things that came out of COVID is that you don't have to be present to do it. You can do it on the phone or through Zoom now. So um, because sometimes they'll say it's after regular session, well, that varies. It's, it's a variable time. You never know when that will be. And so there's a lot of waiting around when you go down there. But when you can do it from the comfort of your home or your office, it sure makes it a lot easier. And they have to hear you. If you're on it, if you're on the waiting list, if you're on the schedule to do it, they have to hear from you. Okay. Very good. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, We appreciate you. Yeah. I definitely encourage you to go look up some of these things and kind of see how they've been played into the school district that your kids are in. If you're out there listening. Absolutely. When you're out there listening. Yeah, yes. for sure. Yeah, definitely. And get involved. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Get involved. Show up. Be so present at your child's school that they think you belong on the payroll. Yeah, that's great. Words of wisdom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. We'll thank you. you.